Welcome to Let's Get Unraveled, a place where artists from all walks of life come to share their unabridged stories and speak openly and candidly about their creative journeys. We're so happy you're here. Hi, everybody. I'm Co Hodges, the co-founder of Unraveled Academy, an online photography school and community where we offer artists a place to grow and create without fear of judgment and where every artist has a seat at the table. Today, I am stoked to be speaking with the incredible Chrissy Westendorp. She is an amazing human, artist, mother, and social activist. We are huge fans over here at Unraveled. So, Christy, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So let's dig right in. I want to talk a little bit about the beginnings. Uh, I do this with every uh, interview just to kind of give those uh, people who might be new to your uh, work and heart uh, a little bit about your beginnings. So first of all, can you tell everybody where you're located in the world and what work you primarily do? Yeah, totally. So um, I am on Vancouver Island in Canada, um, Victoria, BC. So basically just right above Seattle Mm -hmm. on the West Coast of Canada. Um, And uh, primarily, I'm more about maybe style than content. I'm a documentary style photographer for the most part, Um, although we can get into this a bit more. I'm (laughs) doing a little bit more uh, in other directions at the moment, but, um, yeah, mostly I shoot, um, regardless of what I'm shooting, I'm trying to not really interfere as much and just kind of, um, integrate into, um, a family, couple, whoever I'm with, I'm trying to just like be a part of their world for a little bit so I can tell their true story rather than trying to get like really beautiful pictures of people in fields, which is cool too. It's not my jam. <laughs> I love you for that. And I, I mean, we could probably do a whole podcast interview on just the concept of documentary versus lifestyle versus hybrid yeah, versus yeah, yeah. whatever else. Right. Um, yeah. and the, the true purists, uh, documentary purists, uh, it's really fascinating to hear them talk about, uh, what it should look like. Cause I definitely do more of a hybrid thing. I'm yeah. documentary. With I think my kids. most of us do, you know, I don't yeah. think there is any true documentary unless maybe like of your own life. Totally. Maybe. But even then, like, I think just the observation is altering it quite a bit. So Absolutely. yeah, but yeah that's, I, a, that's a whole other <laughs> discussion. That's a whole other show. I might not even make mm-hmm. that show because I'm yeah. pretty loose with it. Um, yeah. So when did you first pick up a camera and why? Um, I don't, I'm getting too old to remember specifics. I'm like one of those, you know, like someone's dad who's like, well, we had the Chevy then. (laughs) Um, but you know, like maybe 12 years ago, I, I had like, you know, maybe got a point and shoot and uh, my photos were terrible, but people <laughs> lied and told me they were good. So I thought they were and kept going. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I started like just shooting with a little Canon point and shoot and being like, oh, you can just make the blue show and make everything else black and white. That's part. Right. Um, it's my favorite. <laughs> and yeah. And then like, you know, gradually got a, a nicer and nicer camera and spent more time doing it. And um, got a little bit more critical with my work. And so when I first started shooting professionally, uh, which I use that term very loosely, um, <laughs> I was doing boudoir, um, as my main, my mainstay. So mm-hmm. I was shooting, um, a lot of like, at the time it was very pinup style. Everyone was doing the same thing. 
you got your hair and makeup done. I had shoes you could borrow. Um, and it was like very much what was happening, you know, a decade ago in the boudoir scene. And um, it, it, at the time, like I really wanted to empower people and show them like, you can look like someone in a magazine. But then, you know, it just became this really self self-perpetuating issue of people thinking they needed to already look a certain way to have Mm. that done Um, and then I had kids and that just didn't really mesh with what I was what I was doing in my life at all so then my work started to shift from there but that was definitely like the origins of of my photography was in boudoir I love that. I also did those kinds of shoots, you know, the mm. high, high heels crossed in the air, mm. you know, and, and I think it's so fascinating because, um, you know, I, I grew up in the eighties and, and early nineties where like Photoshop was hot and yeah. kind of new and everybody was smoothed out to perfection and slimmed. And, um, yeah. I remember as a young girl, just looking at that and aspiring to be all these things that I couldn't because of biology. Mm. And I I think it's so fascinating. I'm so grateful now for, for what has shifted for our kids and what they get to see is so different. And I feel like you're a huge part of that. So thank you for everything you've contributed. I hope so. (laughs) It's starting. I still think we've got a ways to go. I still think like the majority of what we're seeing is, you know, it's maybe less polished, but it still is um, a certain type of person that is maybe overrepresented and you know like when I started I wanted to show people like anyone can look like someone in a magazine and then I you know that's like totally a a, like white lady perspective (laughs) because I look at magazines and I see people that look not that different for me you know they're like slimmed down and their skin smoothed out but like that's not the case for people of all colors and people of all um, genders and, you know, like we're not, we're not there yet as far as representation goes, but I think, yes, for, for white women, that's broadening, but I'd like to see that. (laughs) I'd like to see that maybe expand a bit further. I I hear you. I actually think that's the perfect segue to chat a bit about the concept of representation, specifically Mm. underrepresented groups uh, of people in our photography community. So in your opinion, what are the main issues at hand here? And I want to talk a little bit about how we can improve or fix them. Yeah, I think that, you know, that is the question of the hour. I think a lot of people are thinking about that and talking about that. And, you know, for me, the main thing is, first of all, to think about why are we doing that? Like, are we are we doing it? So we're like, yeah, like, I have a fill in the blank person in my portfolio. Look at this one photo of them, (laughs) Um, you know, because nobody wants to be that like, okay, I ticked the box. I have the gay person now, you know, like nobody wants to be that, that token um, diversity point in your portfolio. So I think we need to always be mindful of like, why are we showing this, you know, and it's, I think it's super important. Like, I don't think that that's a reason to say, well, I just can't do it right. I'm either tokenizing or it's not there. It's really like, it is one of those places where intention does matter, I think. So Mm -hmm. saying, you know, I want, I want people to be able to look at my work and know that it, it is for them. You know, it's not only for this one person or it's not only for, um, someone who already looks a certain way or someone who fits in these criteria. And with my work, like 
I'm even going to the point where I almost just only want to shoot <laughs> queer people right. or people who aren't in these like narrow um I mean, I, I do photograph everyone, but I really, right now, I'm just feeling super passionate about showing a broad range of gender expressions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can talk a little bit about the difference between like gender, uh, mm-hmm. gender identity versus expression, um, just to maybe clarify that, yes. because gender expression doesn't always look like what you might think of as someone's gender identity. So there are people who present very femme that maybe identify as non-binary and you might look at them and guess them as she, her um, when they use they, them. So it's, it's about listening to what people are telling you about who they are. So um, definitely, I think, you know, we're seeing uh, a lot of underrepresentation in, as far as um, racial diversity goes. Right. And I think that's important to talk about, too. Um, but I think there are maybe a lot of other people who are are better qualified or should be listened to more about in those areas than someone like myself um, as a member of the LGBTQ IA plus, you know, I could go on and on with the acronym, but as, as a member of the queer community, um, that's kind of where my heart is right now. But within that, there also needs to be all these other intersections where it's like, okay, yes. but not just this one kind of person. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, if, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes complete sense. I had the most incredible uh, interview with Tony Black about intersectionality mm. um, and specifically Love her. Uh, with women. Oh, she, isn't she the best? I'm, the best. I, I get to travel with her in January. I can't tell you where quite yet on the air, but we have something really, really cool coming up and I'm stoked. I'm jealous um, of both of you. <laughs> she's fantastic. Um, I actually, it's something that she teaches a lot about, and I would love to hear from your standpoint in your community, for those that might not know, what tokenizing really is. Could you explain mm, that to yeah, anybody? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we know it when we see it, you know, it's one of those things that can be kind of hard to put into words, but like, you know it when you see it, you, you see it in model calls, you know, where it's like, basically reads like, I'm looking for a black woman or I'm looking for a a gay guy. Like it's not quite in those words, but it is very much just like, I need to tick this box. And, um, Kevin Lowry wrote a great, uh, like suggested model call alternative, Mm -hmm. um, to that, to, to let people know like how you do that, uh, properly. But I think it's also just super important to go, okay, hold on. If you don't know one black woman that will go in front of your camera, why? If you don't know any, you know, bisexual women, if you don't know any um, transgender men, like, you know, it's not to say that you need to have all these people in your life. I don't want people going around tokenizing their friends in that way. Right. But it's like, if if all of the people that you spend time with look like you and are like you, that is why there's no diversity in your work. It has to start with your life and you have to go, okay, what, why am I only running in circles of people who are exactly the same as me, you know? Absolutely. And so I think, yeah, when I see some of those model calls, I'm like, well, I'm glad that you want to represent those things. And I think it's important, but you need to ask yourself like how, 
how am I engaging with people who are different than mm-hmm. me? And, and is that somewhere that maybe I could start instead and then form these relationships in ways where I could say, you know what, like, I would love to take your photo. Like, mm-hmm. would, would you be into that? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's very different than just being like, Hey, I need someone who isn't white to be in this. <laughs> Um, because, and I, and I mean, like, I, I understand that sometimes it it feels that way where you're just like, Oh, I'm sick of, I mean, where I live is very homogenous racially. Mm -hmm. Like there are, it, it is very white here. Same. Um, and so there are, there are times when it does feel like, like that, just being like, I just need someone who's not white. I, I, I do, um, some work for a clothing company here. And, um, what, so we often will have like five women wearing clothes and I always am just like please like can they not all be white um just so that it's like it's like you if you don't show people that you're what you're doing is for them they it has to be represented in that way and I think tokenizing is that way where you're where you're breaking it down to only that and you stop seeing people as people but just just that filling that criteria for right. you. Your checkbox. Yeah. Totally. And I, and I have noticed just in the last year of just more of an intensive journey for myself personally in opening my eyes to all of the different cultural diversity issues, um, is that you don't know it till you know it. And, you, and mm-hmm. when you see it, then you see it everywhere. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's mind blowing. And, and Tony actually touches on that of like how it can go to the extreme level on the other side of when your eyes are open and you're like, so apologetic and, and over yep. the top about it. And then that's a whole other thing. Um, yeah, totally. So I think like, for me, the biggest the biggest blessing of just uh, as far as educational standpoint, which is learning how to listen. If a, if a large group of people are telling you something is wrong, then you just all, your only job is to not have an opinion about it, but just to listen Um, and just open your mind to, to their experience. Because when you're a a person who's untouched by extreme bias in any way, you're not going to have that story. Um, Yeah. And even when you are, there are, that's where this intersectionality component comes in, right? Because, okay, like if I start seeing queer representation, I have to ask myself, how am I seeing that? Is it all thin, beautiful queer people? You know, and I, when I say beautiful, I mean, you know, traditionally or like in this, in this like very narrow scape of, mm-hmm. of beauty norms, right? Yes. So it's like, am I seeing, am I seeing anyone who's bigger than a size 14? Like right. very rarely, you know, so it's not just, it's not just about representation. It's about like being aware of your own areas of privilege. Even if you are a member of a group that is marginalized in some ways, almost everyone has some form of privilege, you know? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I'm not straight, but I am still white and I still am like, securely housed and all these kinds of things that not everyone in the world has access to. And so it's always remembering that like, it's not just about being like, Oh, well I'm this. So I understand the struggles of all people, you know, it's always about listening to the different people groups, like you're saying. So regardless of whether you're at the very, very top of the privilege pile as like, maybe you're a wealthy, rich white dude who's <laughs> sure. cis and straight you know like like yeah. that guy's at the top but like it's, yep. it's not there's it's not like then you have like white women who are one step down from that and yeah. are like my life's really hard because I'm a woman and it's like 
in some ways, yes, but like <laughs> you have to look at all of the ways that, you know, all of the intersections of privilege and all of the intersections of oppression and go, you know, yes, it's still mindful always to think about like who is, who is around you and what are their needs. And I think that's how we move on from the tokenizing thing to think about like who who is getting missed out who is not mm-hmm. getting heard whose voice can i amplify and mm-hmm. sometimes it is a matter of us shutting up and just going you know who is not being heard or who whose voice can i um echo or you know reshare what they're saying instead of me coming in with my own way of saying it mm-hmm. and and that being said i i also think it's important that we use our privilege to be heard mm-hmm. um or to help other people be heard i guess right. i should say like right. I, if people are going to listen to me, I, I'm going to talk, but there's a time to say, Hey, like, what about what this person is saying? And that's where I think the, like the, the listening component comes in for sure. Absolutely. And we, we've learned that in, in many ways in the last year and a half with just having a platform, having a platform on which voices that went unheard for way too long can be heard. And that's something that uh, Sarah and I believe in very deeply uh, that we do have the, not only the the privilege, but the obligation to to do that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. When you're in any sort of social standing where um, you have the ability to bring these people to the surface, these amazing, incredible human beings who aren't being heard, aren't being listened to. Um, and, and I've learned so much, not just about them, but about myself and uh, the the really deep and in, intrinsic components of of your own individual bias and your own individual experiences. Um, it's been incredible this last year's. Been yeah, incredible. yeah. I'm, I mean, we only we only see things from our perspective. Yep. If if we don't listen, you know, Absolutely. like we only have our own lived experience to go on, and I think that's how people end up with these really narrow scopes of um, of understanding. Is just that they they essentially think the way that they've experienced life is the way that life is. And that's not the case for everyone. Right. Absolutely. So I love you talking about just this, this simplistic nature of, of developing relationships with people, because I have had many conversations over um, the concept of model calls, you know, and even, even down to, you know, as something as simple as uh, like a couple with a woman with long flowy hair and a guy oh with lots God. of t- tattoos and uh, two kids, please. And, you know, it, and, and, you know, it, it's so hard because um, I've done that. I've done that. I've been like, I would like some edgier people, please. You know, like if you have mm-hmm. any bonus points, I did, you know, last year. And mm-hmm. it was really interesting. Um, like in, everything you do, there's a learning component, right? And, and every step mm-hmm. you take in your creative journey, professionally or otherwise, there's always some some avenue uh, to learn more about people and and social norms. And so I, I do, I hear that constantly. There's, there's threads all over different groups with a, whether it unraveled or, or other photography groups talking about this concept. And I love that you're just like, just develop relationships with people. Um, start there. And, and Tony says the same thing. She's like, if you admire somebody, if you think they're fantastic, go show them some love. Even if they're not local to you, go show them some love on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Tony and I, I think are like a, the one of such a good example of, um, listening to each other because we are constantly like learning and just going like, especially cause you know, I'm a white person in Canada. I really often just don't know uh, cultural things right. that, 
she's referencing and she's always so generous. Like I'm never, I always try to learn it on my own, but you know, <laughs> she's so generous about like explaining the context yeah. in which something's happening where I'm just like, yeah, like I want to get this, but it's just not where I'm at. So, you know, we're, we're constantly like explaining things to each other or I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, schooling her on gender stuff or <laughs> we're, we're just back and forth. It's, it's so great. But like, I, I totally, the, the model call thing, it totally gets me because I see that like, actually one of my biggest pet peeves is I see a lot of times, um, people making these model calls and they're all looking for this exact same couple. Right. Um, and like, she should be comfortable wearing a flowy dress or whatever right. and like right. being in the wind. Yes. Um, and let's and- <laughs> be comfortable with lots of wind. <laughs> right. And then they're always like, send me a photo. And I'm like, why? Why? Like, who? How is that making people feel then that they're sending you a picture of themselves and their partner, and you're like, hmm, no thanks. Like, right. oh, are you yeah. going to do that to your clients? Are you are you going to get an inquiry and go, well, send me your picture, and I'll tell you if you're beautiful enough for me to photograph. <laughs> like, I understand once you booked it, like wanting to know what they look like or having an idea of who they are. But I see often for workshops, like I, I'll hear people talk about the person that they're so excited they booked for this shootout or, or workshop or whatever. And it's always just like, like no offense to these beautiful couples, but just really generic white people like you described where it's like, I, I'm excited where people are like, oh, like I booked this amazing queer woman and she's like plus size and gorgeous and so confident and she's going to rock it. Like, that's what I want to hear. That's what I'm excited to shoot. Not just like the same hipster, like, you know, bearded, looks like a lumberjack, whatever, (laughs) like great. Good for you. But I've I've seen that enough. I don't need more of it. Oh, I think I just peed my pants a little bit. I love it. And and this is, you guys, this is not to like condemn anybody because it's a process that I've been there. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like it's, it's what it's, it's whatever. Like I get, yeah. I, I get the appeal of it. And I also get like, like I said, if you, if you saw my early work, you know, like I'm not yeah. shitting on anyone here. I'm just no. saying that like, we can do better than this. We can we broaden can. our scope, you know, yeah. and you can take anyone if you are good at your job, you can take anyone and make them feel comfortable and make them feel confident and they will love their photos. And Absolutely. I don't just want to see, I don't want to go to a workshop and shoot a couple that has modeled at 45 different photo workshops and they're basically actual models because that's not right. useful for me as for what I do anyway. I would right. like to photograph real people. And well, so- absolutely. Even like I said, some of my work is skewing a little bit back towards boudoir now because it is, and I mean, I wouldn't necessarily even use that word, but it's just for the sake of shorthand. But, you know, I am getting back into like, I'm teaching a body positive boudoir workshop next year. And so I'm, I am shooting more of that and wanting to shoot more gender diverse clients for that and body diverse clients for that. And, Mm. um, you know, the, for me, that's always what I'm looking for. Like when I meet someone who's, who's interesting looking or out of that, or out of that narrow range of beauty, I'm like, whew, like get in front of my camera, <laughs> like, get out, take off your clothes <laughs> and get in front of my camera. <laughs> Let's get naked. It's going to happen. I love that. And I, I do. I would love to hear because you're, 
you're so well-worded and you're so friendly and, and warm and welcoming. And I know a lot of people that are listening are like, yeah, I could never just approach someone and say, well, can I photograph mm. you? And they're going to want to know why. And what do I say? Can you mm. talk a little bit about that? Because I, I do, I think it, it goes back to like a really simple, I just think you're beautiful and I would love to mm-hmm. photograph you. I need to build up my portfolio. But how would you word that? Especially if people are looking for uh, more gender diversity, uh, more representation yeah. for different cultures. How would you word that for, for those listening? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I often feel like, oh, I'm going to come off like a creep when I'm talking <laughs> <laughs> And I'm sure I sometimes do, which is fine because I kind of am a bit of a creep sometimes. But um, <laughs> like you. consensually. Consensual um, but, creep. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, like I think uh, I don't have a business card. That's probably something I would recommend. <laughs> um, so you seem more professional and less just like, hey, 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 come over <laughs> I got to photograph you. <laughs> but I think, you know, like, get out to intersectional events like just because you're straight doesn't mean you can't go to like a queer friendly dance in your town or something Mm -hmm. like that you know queer people go to like straight centered things all the time um so go out to things and meet people and and then like once you know them I mean I get that it's harder for introverts like have a drink if that's something you do or (laughs) like whatever it is that makes you feel comfy. But like, there's so many ways you could do it. You could fucking get on Tinder and put up a profile. That's like, I don't want to date people. I just want to take pictures of cool people. Get happy. And then swipe right on people that look cool. Like be creative. You know, there's so many ways to get connected with people outside of your circles. Um, And, you know, just like, that's just speaking to one, one, like, segment right but you know there's equivalence of everything just go out to different things you wouldn't normally go to and meet people um or ask your friends maybe maybe you have friends that are extroverted that are like do you have any like amazing friends that want their photo taken because I'm really trying to not just photograph people who look like this and you know ask around like within your circles first or if you know them and even if you know them like don't go straight to just like nice to meet you I am speaking to you because you look this way right um but like take the time to get to know who people are and then let those things develop organically I can't give you like a script because you will just sound way more awkward if you're like (laughs) Hello. Wrote it down on your hand. Sir slash madam. Christy says. Yes. Sir slash madam. I cover all the bases there. To who may they concern. I would like to photograph you, please. Uh, yeah, I think it's just a matter. Of, it's just a matter of like connecting and and yeah. and having that in your head. That's like, hey, maybe I don't only need lumberjacks in front of my camera, um, or w- whatever it is, you know. <laughs> I love you so much. That shit's hilarious. I'm dying over that. I'm like, oh, I've shot plenty of lumberjacks in my day. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're not, they're fine. Whatever. Like, do what you want with your body hair, facial hair. I don't give a fuck. I'm just saying, like, let's also show some other people too. I'm gonna turn that into a hashtag somehow. It's gonna be hilarious. Um, <laughs> lumberjacks are okay. No, um, <laughs> I think that that's fantastic. No, it's hashtag not all lumberjacks. Not all, no. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, I'm gonna use that. It's gonna be no one's gonna use it but us. Um, <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. 
I, I love that it's it again. It's so simple, just being authentically yourself. And if, if it, mm-hmm. and it goes back to what you're saying about the why behind. Why do you want to photograph these groups of people? Why do you want to represent them? Why do you want to build mm-hmm. a portfolio with these people? And if it's authentic in nature, then your communication with them will be authentic, right? Like yeah. So and I think people hard. know too when you're doing it, so you can get their money. And like, yeah. don't get me wrong, like it's it's totally valid to be like, there's this whole segment of business that I'm not getting because I'm not showing Showing that I want it. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be compensated for your work, you know, but if that is your only objective, you look at people and you see dollar signs, they will know and you won't be getting any of that money. So it's like, you have to always look at people as people first. And you always have to be looking at your work and going like, how am I making people feel that it is for them and not just for, you know, thin, white, straight people <laughs> who look a certain way? Because right. like, that's also, there's not a lot of people actually in that group. Like when you actually get down to mm-hmm. it, um, when we're talking about people who look like they could be in magazines, that right. is a pretty small segment of the population. Oh, and so yeah. there's a lot of people looking at your work and going, well, I would love to be in photos like that if only I looked that. Right. right. For a long time, I thought I could just like show them like anyone can look like that. But still all that was booked, the only people who were actually booking me were the the people who already looked like that because everyone else was going like, well, I'd like to maybe lose 20 pounds and then I would love to book you or I just don't have the right whatever, you know? And then I had kids and my life became a mess. And (laughs) so I was like, oh, I guess I'll take pictures of newborns. And even then, like my my first foray into that was like, I'll go do a posing workshop. So I learned how to take these like pristine photos right. of babies on bean bags. And I was yeah. just like, this also is not good. Right. I did <laughs> this is just another yep. version of that. And, yep. and meanwhile, like my, my photographs of my own life were just becoming more and more messy and real and me going like, I can take photos in any light of right. anything. And it is so much more powerful than these supposedly perfect images. Absolutely. And so I think that's where that's come back around with my portraits of other people of adult people is to be like, you know, I'm not going to do the equivalent of putting you on a beanbag chair where you (laughs) look all the same. I'm going to like find out who you are and what your deal is and try to show that and try to make you feel good about who you are. Not just, not just that like, oh, well I could pretend to be a beautiful person for an hour and a half, but like I am a beautiful person all of the time. Oh, okay. Well, I went from peeing my pants to crying. <laughs> Jesus. It's, it's, it's a true. lot of moisture. It's, a lot, it's just a lot going on right now over here. I've, I'm a mom too, super emotional constantly. Mm. But I, I think that that's, oh God, that hits me in the feels and then for several reasons. But um, if any of you out there have ever really struggled with self-love or um, re- like in my case, I really hated myself up until I truly became a mother. Um, Mm. and then, and it's so interesting too, because when you look at body image and, and like, I had a little bit of like true body image dysmorphia where I I saw something completely different, um, in Mm -hmm. the mirror and then you have children and 
you realize, oh my God, my body did that. And I'm so grateful for this. And I saw so much beauty. And even though it was so different and changed and stuff that will never go back the way it was before. Yeah. But, and then you see other people in a different light and you see like what their bodies did for them and how amazing. Yeah. They and, and I think, you know, that, that's a, like, I've had the same thought that you're having and I've had it expanded even further now because I have said things in the past that are like, you know, don't think about what your body looks like. Think about all the amazing things it does for you. And then I've had people who are disabled tell me that like, actually, that's also a very limited way of looking at things because I'll be like, oh, like my legs, who cares what they look like? They're so strong and they carry me around. And then people are like, well, mine aren't and don't, but they're still valid, you know? So it's like, even beyond that, like in the end, our bodies are just the package we come in. And so when I'm photographing someone, I'm not trying to only show the package. I'm trying to get at what's inside of that because the packaging is really just like the briefest of details. Like that's what we have cheesy cliches, like don't judge a book by its cover, which you have to, to some extent to know whether you want the book or not. But it's about like, get beyond that. You know, if I get someone in front of my camera and I am not connecting with them beyond what they look like, then I think I've failed them. Because when I go into, whether I'm going into someone's family or their bedroom to take their photo, I, for me, it is ultimately always going to be about connection and who they are as a person and understanding um, what, what is unique to them and and how can I tell their story and not make it about me mm. if that makes sense oh perfect sense and you just blew my freaking mind so <laughs> this is fantastic I, I actually want to use that as a segue into something else I would love to talk to you about in um, having really strong ethical and political stances publicly uh, which are mm-hmm. associated with your business which is mm-hmm. your livelihood um I have heard, you know, different takes on this. Um, I myself have my own belief systems. I I feel like I'm pretty like moderate when it comes to how much I share um, or what I put out there. And and I see people not want to do it at all or people that, you know, do it all the time. And all of it is very interesting to me. I, I, I have a, I have a good time watching everybody, um, kind of come into their own, if that's the right way mm-hmm. to put it and decide mm-hmm. what's important to them, especially in your thirties and forties. So how does that apply to you? Like how having strong opinions, ethically, politically, otherwise, um, yeah. associated with your business? Well, first of all, I am not physically capable as a human being, uh, of keeping my opinions to myself. <laughs> It's not, uh, it's not possible. <laughs> yeah, that's not a trait I aspire to. Um, but if it were, uh, I would have a challenging time. Um, I'm, I have a lot of opinions and I generally think everyone needs to hear them. Um, I am working on uh, listening more to other people. But when it comes to, like I always say, we can agree to disagree on whether or not cilantro is edible. It isn't, (laughs) (laughs) but we can't agree to disagree on human rights or like whether trans people deserve to have their identities respected or like those are fundamental values to me. So like 
I, I'm not ever going to tone that down for the sake of making money ever. Like I can't, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. Um, and like, I don't, I don't mean to say that in like a virtue signaling way. I mean to say <laughs> that in a way, like I love people who are of these oppressed communities. And I, if I don't stand with them, I can't call myself an ally. I can't right. separate my business from my values in that way. I don't know how to do it and I don't want to do it. So you. if somebody doesn't want to book me because I think transgender people are valid or because I, uh, I don't know, will stand up against people who are being racist, mm -hmm. like overtly racist. I mean, right. I think we all have like our, our, you know, internalized racism and I'm unpacking that. I'm not saying I don't have that, but when, when it's happening overtly and, and, and these kinds of, you know, these kinds of like huge, huge injustices are happening. Yes. I can't go, well, you know, I'm just a business. Like, what can I do about it? Because I, I really sincerely think that in a world where everyone has a camera in their pocket, because we all have, like, in Canada, in the United States, almost every single person has a cell phone. Right. And so we're no longer, like, a, as a photographer, I'm not necessary because I have a camera. That's not a thing anymore. Like, iPhone cameras are amazing. Right. And even on top of that, even if you want to look at who has a DSLR, like, your sister-in-law has one <laughs> and your friend is like thinking about maybe becoming a photographer, but she's just charging $30 for a mini session right now. <laughs> so it's like, how do I stand out in a world of everyone's a photographer? Some of them are shitty. Some of them are amazing. Right. There's so many. Why does somebody book me? It's not only because I can take their photo. It's because of who I am. And so yes. for me, I can never separate my brand from my person like they're one in the same oh, I think that's a really powerful message and you know Sarah and I teach to a little bit of a different uh, methodology there about how how to be a better business person and it's all comes back to who you are as a human mm -hmm. Um, but I think this takes it so many levels further into, and you're right. If someone's not booking you because of your beliefs, then I don't want that client. Exactly. Boom. And, and, and I don't think it's going to limit anything. I think people are really afraid of that. Um, I yeah. remember when I was first starting out, I was afraid of not having a really broad client base and, and take mm -hmm. everything and photograph everybody and have no, uh, no limitations or boundaries at all. And mm -hmm. I found that to be even more limiting than, than sub segmenting down into who I really wanted to work with. It, um, it also is going to decrease your client satisfaction. I think honestly, because if right. I, at least for the way I shoot. So if I like when I do a family session, I am typically with a family for like three hours. Like really, I don't do like 45 minute sessions. I right. don't because I, I find it um, really impossible to tell <laughs> a story of a family in that length of time. Some are just like, boop, like you're here. We're all cool. Great. We're right into it. But the majority of kids are like, oh, stranger in the house. I don't know who <laughs> you are, you know? So I take a lot of time just like warming them up and getting them used to me being there so I can tell their story. And like, if I'm going to go into someone's house and they don't, they don't know who I actually am already when I get there a bit, 
um, that just makes my job so much harder. And we're both going to potentially hate spending that time with each other. So I feel like by the time someone books me, I mean, even just with style wise, if I have somebody contact me and they're like, we're doing a family reunion, there's going to be 3000 people and we want 4,500 different group shots. I'm like, let me refer you to someone else because I'm going to hate that. And you're going to hate that. So let's just not like, I am very clear about what I do and you know, I, I recognize that it's a, absolutely a function of privilege that I don't have to just take any work that comes to right, me. Right. Um, but I will exercise that particular privilege because <laughs> it's just not going to end well for anyone if I'm, if I'm shooting something and they don't understand what they're getting into or it's not something that is, is my jam because then I deliver the photos and they're like, why are these all just snapshots? And I'm like, cause I was capturing what was happening. Um, so I think it's really, really important in branding and all of that. And then your persona to really be clear about who you are, what you do, what you're about. And, and I think when it comes to political beliefs and those kinds of things that that's, that's super important. And I mean, I, it's also funny to me because I see that like a lot of the really conservative folks in the photography world have no problem constantly posting about their faith and things like that. Right. right. Um, but yet the people who are more progressive are like, Oh, I don't want to rock the boat. Right. And they're like, I see well, that I, you know, it should go both ways. You know, like if, if all of the really right-wing people are booking the really right-wing photographer, they know from their church, that's, fine, do you, but like, it should go the other way too, that like, it's okay for me to say, here's what I'm about. And I want to work with people whose values align with mine. Cause those are the people that I want to surround myself with. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. And digging into your core values and, and the why behind why you create anyways, the, the why of your business yeah. is, is that it's yeah. the very, very center of everything you do. And I've seen it, I see it. It's so interesting because on the back end of just like running a, a, a business of creatives um, and you get a lot of back and forth and, uh, and, and interesting in interactions with uh, different people of other mm-hmm political parties. And, uh, it's fascinating. I do find, um, especially at Unraveled. Unraveled is very accepting. Um, we have tons of different types of, uh, Mm -hmm. political stances. Um, obviously Sarah and I, we're very obviously more liberal and, um, and and our whole base of what we do is based off inclusivity um, Mm -hmm. and and diversity. And like, like I was saying, there's, there's lines with that, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, like we can agree to disagree on like whether taxes should be lower but not like (laughs) you know there's there's there there are polit there's I think a distinction between political beliefs and like core values of what is right and so to me when it comes to it it is okay for you to have different opinions than me it's not okay for you to use those opinions to restrict others rights human rights you know and that's the difference for me and the other thing is that I also don't live in a country that has a two-party system. So the, the, right. the polarized thing is not quite the same here. It's not like there, I feel like it's black or white. You're this yes. or you're that. Yes. Um, and, and we have maybe a little bit more nuance than that just because we have uh, more of a political spectrum. Right. Um, there's still obviously that left-right thing. Like that's going to happen no matter what. But, um, you know, it's not that like blatant, just like, are you with me or against me, which right. is kind of how it, it, everything feels in American politics, yes. which sadly Canadians, I think, follow maybe a little more closely than our own. But 
Oh, it's more ridiculous. So why wouldn't you watch it? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a shit show right now. Not going to lie. It's an absolute shit show. It's like reality TV. I'm not surprised. Yeah, but, but I mean, like, I, I, pre- I appreciate that you're not just like, well, like, you have to have the exact same beliefs as these are not there. Like, I, I'm there, too. I'm not like, I can't talk to anyone who doesn't have 100% of the same opinions as I do. It's right. just that there are non-negotiables for me. I could not agree more. It, it is fascinating too, because if you, um, you know, inclusivity goes all around this 360, right. Of, of who you're including. Right. Um, and I had a conversation about that the other day because I, I don't belong to a faith or a, a religiosity, nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I would tell my kids like they're pretty young, but I'm like, we well, you know, we're nothing. <laughs> I want you to gather. So you're raising your children as nihilists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And like gather your information and just make your choice when you're older. And then I feel bad because then they don't have an identity. Well, we'll get into that another time. But but it's interesting because we have, again, such a a wide gamut of of different religious backgrounds, spiritual backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, and and to be accepting of all of that and and to listen and learn uh, from all of it. But I agree with you at the core, your core values are non-negotiable and that should definitely uh, be the structure of how you, you know, process your business and, and mm-hmm. develop relationships in the community. Um, very, very amazing. So we're almost wrapping this up. I could talk to you forever. So I don't want to just like, <laughs> I'm like, have all these questions. We're going to have, I'm going to have to like, five go. hour podcast. <laughs> I, know. I need to Turn go to Canada and meet you in real life. And Please do. <laughs> I would love that. Because I think you're fantastic. And we're, again, we're huge fans. Um, and what you're doing um, as far as a, a, a social activist, we, we're, we're so impressed. We're constantly, you know, watching how you hold yourself in the community. It's very impressive. Um, it's it's very warm and beautiful uh, while still being strong, you know. Um, so you should be very proud. And uh, you guys, I'm going to be posting a ton of links uh, in the show notes. We referenced Kevin Lowry, who's a darling friend of both of ours, and Tony. Um, I am going to link Kevin's podcast, uh, just talking about how to do a proper model call. Um, it's and sign up for Kevin's newsletter. I think that's yes. I think that's how you get the model call, I believe. Perfect. I'm but either way, that. I'm just trying to like he's the best I get to go uh work with him and do a shoot in Atlanta and in just a couple weeks so couldn't be more stoked on that and uh and get to know some more people and um he coined a a representation shoot that he will be teaching how to um really create like we're saying develop these relationships with uh, other communities Mm -hmm. uh, within the photography community and get those in your portfolio so you can start doing what you're and, and your hardest he's another is, person right? that he's another person that um I think we really educate each other a lot and and talk these things out and so that's like another thing that I would really encourage folks to do is like find people who you can have these frank conversations yeah. with and and like friends who will call you out on your bullshit yes like I need that all the time and other people need that all the time to just be like you know like I get where you're going with this, but also bear in mind that this is, this is not the only way to think about it. Or, you know, have you considered who you might be excluding with that kind of language, things like that. And yes, you know, it's great. It's it's the best 
is when you have friends that that's mutually beneficial. It's not one person always educating the other one. It's like <laughs> right. back and forth, you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, yeah. Have an, have an accountability buddy. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Or like 10 of them. Yeah. Like, yeah. A whole <laughs> slew of accountability buddies. And I promise you it'll be good for your, <laughs> for your soul. Yeah. 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 Like people you can even just run things by before you post them because yes. sometimes we just don't think things through. I've been in that situation. Like I don't even want to get into specifics because I have like embarrassing things in my past where I've done like you know, for another company I was working for, like a whole campaign and then had a whole bunch of people be like, this is yep. shitty. And I'm like, yes. oh yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yes. And, and you know what? That stuff happens. I've been there. I think most of us have. Mm-hmm. And then, and then again, it's, it goes back to the concept of, oh my God, my eyes are opened. And now yeah. I see all of this stuff I never saw before. But, but you've hurt people in the meantime. Right. And it's so much better if you can just be like, hey, you know, and 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 don't get me wrong. I'm not saying everyone message Kevin to ask him <laughs> if things are okay to post because I think that already happens to a lot. So I'm saying get your own Kevin. <laughs> get, it, get yourself a Kevin. Find yourself. That's on your to-do list for this week. Find, yeah. find a Kevin Lowry. Oh my gosh. Christy, thank you so much for being here. And, uh, yeah. and you guys follow along on her journey journey. She's incredible. She's shaking it all up. So, uh, thank you, honey. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. It means so much to us that you're here and we hope you walk away feeling inspired as hell. If you're not already a student in Unraveled Academy, go to www.theunraveledacademy.com. You can also access the link below. Come join us. We have a seat waiting with your name on it.